Welcome to What's on the Block, a podcast hosted by X4 Technology, getting answers to the biggest questions on blockchain and the metaverse. The virtual world has a global community of innovators, and we are here to tell you what they're up to. My name is Maxine Ewing, and I'm here with Corey Wendling to talk about physical assets and blockchain. Corey Wendling is CTO of Atomize LLC. Atomize LLC is a global fintech company creating a tokenization platform and an advanced marketplace to source, trade, track, invest, and exchange ownership of commodities and other real assets. Corey, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So to start off, it would be best hearing from you what Atomize LLC is doing. Yes. Um, our vision here at Atomize is to, to modernize the commodities industry, uh, focusing on improving liquidity, availability of commodities and other physical assets um, to, to investors, to industry participants, to, to general people that are interested in, in the market. Um, in other words, we're, we're aiming to connect an entire ecosystem, um, producers, commodity owners, traders, bankers, financiers, users of, of assets um, together onto a single platform. Um, we're starting with tokenization and trading of industrial and precious metals, um, and then we're going to expand into other commodities from there. There's limited ways to invest in some of these materials today, and providing access to the tokenized commodities gives customers the ability to invest directly in the asset um, and have ownership over the physical asset. Um, we actually give them title to the commodities. Um, and, and an example of that is if there's a shortage of, or there is a shortage of industrial metals, particularly around things like electric vehicle batteries. Um, nickel, cobalt, um, copper, um, those kinds of things. And, and there's not a lot of opportunity or exposure to some of these. I mean, if you want to buy gold, there's a lot of ways to invest in gold. If you want to buy cobalt or copper or some of those are a little bit trickier to invest in. And our platform provides the ability for them to invest in these materials. And, and like I said, have title over those materials. It's, it's really a spot commodity, um, which means, you know, technically they could even redeem those materials if they want. Um, and in addition to tokenizing these materials available, we're also working on ways of, of kind of enhancing the material information and the, the parameters that we're collecting. For example, there's an increased interest in the environment and the, and the global impact of the environment, responsible sourcing, those kinds of things have been, have been taking place. And, and, you know, things like ESG, which is environmental, social and governance, um, are really driving a lot of those efforts. And so we can take these, these assets and not just, collect token information and quantity information, but also start to collect information about where they're sourced, how they're sourced, those kinds of things, and provide additional ESG information as well. So it's great being in the digital space, right? Because we can take a piece of metal and we can add all kinds of attributes and metadata to it. And that's kind of the summary of, of where I'd say we're at right now. What would you say are kind of the main issues that Atomize LLC would be you know, addressing? It sounds like you know, sourcing is a component what is the issue and I guess how are how is this a solution? Sure. So I mean the, the issue is um I think there's challenges in the existing commodities industry. I think a lot of the technology and things that are being used are are very dated. There's been articles recently coming out about the commodity space and and even articles saying that they really should be looking at and doing more in the blockchain space. And so, you know, we're really kind of, I guess, in some ways ahead of some of those articles and building out a platform that does that. And why blockchain? You know, I, I, it makes sense. But, you know, what was your decision behind seeing blockchain as the technology that's you know going to solve this issue? Yeah, so blockchain provides a few different pieces of functionality. It provides 
decentralization. It provides the ability of independent attestation of companies being able to look at transactions that took place and, and validate that they are legitimate and, and real. Um, it's, it's, you know, got, like I said before, a lot of the attributes and parameters um, available to tokenize assets. It's just become, um, and, and what I'd say one of the major use cases for blockchain at this point is digital currencies, tokenization, those kinds of things. And so to me, it was kind of an obvious choice um, for, for the problems that we were trying to solve. And for those who might be having trouble visualizing it, um, can you explain, and this is probably, you know, going into a little bit of an explanation of what even is blockchain, but how can a physical asset be stored on a blockchain? I think people are going to be most familiar with the digital asset. Um, so, Yeah, and I think that's one of the more interesting aspects of what we're doing. And, and the process really starts with one of our, our partners, one of our producing companies, uh, we call them tokenizers. Um, wants to tokenize a physical asset. Um, and it starts with them um, really depositing that into a vault. Um, and then from that vault, um, they can go into our platform and, and propose minting um, tokens um, for that metal. And then once they've done that, we review and approve it. And then it's available on our trading platform for institutional investors to, to be able to buy, sell, and trade those materials. So I guess regarding user base, since, you know, and again, I'm using a lot of assumptions that I'm familiar with. I could, I could be off, but, you know, my assumption is that, you know, the majority of users of blockchain, right, in a very broad sense, are most familiar and, you know, potentially most comfortable with the concept of a digital asset, ironically, um, because mm-hmm. it's the most familiar use of blockchain. Um, so I'm curious as to what the existing user base is. And I guess also, you know, what you're predicting it to become, you know, as time goes on. And also what needs to be done to increase this user base, you know, for this new application of blockchain. That's a lot of questions. I know. <laughs> uh, all at once. Um, so let me see if I can do this. So um, from a from a physical to digital aspect, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, there is a separation between the physical and digital, right? And how do you kind of know that that token is, you know, is backed by metal? And one of the things that we do is what's called attestation. We have third parties that go into and look at our vault reports and, and look at the number of tokens that have been minted on the blockchain and make sure that those those match. I think that's a really important aspect of maintaining that physical to digital relationship. The target users, we're going um, primarily towards institutional investors and people in the industry. I think what's interesting about it is, you know, institutional investors are used to trading screens that are kind of look and feel a certain way. There's a buy side and a sell side. There's a central limit order book. There's certain aspects of the user interface and things that they're expecting to see. Um, We're not targeting the typical crypto space. And so, you know, our interfaces and things need to be comfortable to traders that are used to operating in this space, but also need to have kind of a modern look and feel to it. It needs to look like it's modern, not, you know, a lot of the trading screens I've seen look like they came out of kind of a Windows 95 or a yeah. really old old school. But but there is an expectation for, for, like I said, where things are located, how they look and feel, how they operate. So we have to kind of balance that current modern interface, look and feel, interaction, but also kind of deliver to something that people are comfortable in using with. You don't want them to actually accidentally click buy when they met sell for example, right? You, you have to be very careful with some of those things. And so we've, we've been dealing with or balancing kind of those 
those aspects of it. But it, but it's primarily institutional investors as well as um, some industrial um, participants or, or people that are in the space as well. Um, you know, there's a couple different products that we're bringing to market. One is is the one we've talked about, which is really kind of the asset backed tokens. That's the tokens that are backed by kind of a physical asset. We're also doing some work with what we're calling industrial tokens, which are um, basically contracts um, for future delivery of the material. And so I'm working on tokenizing some of those aspects as well, which brings up a whole different set of of challenges with terms and conditions and how you address some of the things that might be slightly different across various contracts. But that's another aspect of something we're bringing to market. We're both in the blockchain space. When you're in the space, everyone's so excited about it, so knowledgeable about it. But you know, then you step outside of it and realize there are actually so many people who are, are uninvolved or you know potentially uninterested. Considering that this is a maybe different application to blockchain technology than people would kind of first bring to mind, what education is needed to, I guess, expand like the comfortability of using this type of platform? It's it's honestly that there's a lot of similarities, I think, between what people are used to in the digital realm. I mean, there's some, you know, there's been a lot of activity lately around algorithmic, um, you know, stable coins and stuff like that, that that bring up, I think, some questions that we could say for another another podcast or another conversation. But um, I think, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, we're, we're tying something physical into, into what we're doing here. I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity, not just starting, you know, starting with industrial metals and precious metals, but, you know, there's nothing to stop us from expanding into other commodity types into um, which bring up a, kind of a new set of questions. Um, for example, you know, if we were to do commodities like grain or things like that, you get into to spoilage and things. And how do you account for that in the blockchain? You know, how do you deal with things that are maybe a little bit less deterministic um, or there's other things that you have to address? And so I think, you know, we have a lot of opportunity in our roadmap of where things might go and how they might evolve. Um, but, you know, there's there's people working in the real estate space as well, right? There's people looking at, at doing real estate, which is another kind of, I would say, physical to, to digital um, relationship and how do you map those things out. But but I like the fact that, that we're grounded in kind of a, a, a physical aspect of this. Do you think that, and I, I know we keep talking about, you know, the users, but I think, you know, everyone's talking about users in the blockchain space because it's it's like, you know, the difference between a product you know, exploding or a product not necessarily exploding. Um, so, you know, I'm interested in like, you know, the users for, you know, this like genre um, of blockchain application. So, you know, with that in mind, do you think that the use of blockchain technology is going to increase or change the appeal of investing in physical assets overall? There's, there's a couple things I could say about um, that first of all, you know, circling back a little bit on the user base you were talking about, I think, you know, initially there was discussion that, for example, of should customers, you know, manage their own keys or, or should we do custody of those keys? And what's the level of complexity to a user to say, here's your private key. You need to figure out what to do with it, right? You can't save it on your local hard drive. You have to encrypt it or are you going to lose it? Right, all those things, and and I would say our typical user is not a blockchain expert. Um, you know, we're targeting people that that do trading all day long, right? And so, you know, they're not going to probably want to deal with that at this point. I don't think the level of 
knowledge or expertise is out there for the general public to be able to use um, crypto. And I think it's one of the limit, limiting factors to it, right? It's just the complexity of trying to dive into it. Um, so I think that's one of the things that, that we've been addressing. If you're familiar with Ethereum, they have ERC-20, ERC-721, ERC-1155, a number of kind of standard token formats. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is creating kind of a standard set of, of interfaces for our smart contracts so that, you know, you can tokenize physical assets um, in general. And I think, you know, there's been some discussion about about that, but I don't think it's quite gone as far as, as we'd like it to. And so one of the things we're talking about is how we standardize kind of the definition of tokens around physical assets. That was Corey Wendling. Tune in next week to stay in the loop with What's on the Block.